Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. I am thrilled to have my dear friend Jill Santalucia join us today. She's going to do most of the talking about her journey, but before I turn it over to her, I want to share just a few quick stories. And just so you have context for these stories, Jill is the owner, the CEO, and the culinary director of Catering Works, which is exactly what it sounds like, a catering company, like a really amazing catering company. Delicious. So shortly after I moved to Raleigh, shockingly, that was over 20 years ago, I joined a professional women's group, shout out to Raleigh Professional Women's Forum, and I met my first meeting, it's a lunch meeting, and you all know how food can be at these group events right? Sometimes solidly good, sometimes eh, sometimes not even that good. But oh my God, at this lunch, I took my first bite and the food was amazing. So I'm sitting at my table, I'm raving. And a few minutes later, Jill walks by and the woman next to me taps her on the arm and says, hey, Jill, you have another fan. Jill has a lot of fans. And my husband, Warren, is one of those fans. To this day, he still says that the day we did our wedding cake tasting <laughs> is one of the best days of his life. I think he ranks it actually higher than the day we actually got married. <laughs> so there is a reason that Jill has so many fans. She's kind, she's generous, caring, optimistic, and one of the most resilient people that I know. So Jill, I could keep going. But I won't, and I'm going to turn it over to you to tell us a little bit about your journey, some of the twists and turns, when you discovered your love of food and cooking, and how your path led you to where you are today. Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me on. This is really fun, and I am a huge fan of you and Anne, and I think your podcast is amazing, and what an honor to be included in on it. So thank you. I love what you do, and you always continue to inspire me and Sherry, you've been someone that has really helped develop me throughout the years. And I'm always thinking back to things that I've done with coaching with you and your meetings that have just been life-changing. So I have to, I can't, I, I can't not say that. So my journey started as a really in high school. I grew up in upstate New York. My parents were divorced and I was a hustler from starting to, you know, babysit at nine, which kids don't do anymore. <laughs> and on the weekends, my grandmother would come every Sunday with dinner and help sort of finish it at our house. And I developed my love of cooking and taking care of people at a very young age. I just thought it was so natural to me. I loved how food brought our family together. You know, we were not a typical American family because back in the day, very few people were divorced. And so my grandmother really kind of kept us, our family unit together. And it was something we looked forward to every Sunday. And whether it was her chicken and dumplings or her leg of lamb, or she made amazing pies and cakes and cookies. And I just, I loved that. And I didn't realize how much I wanted to do it. And then I had the opportunity to work in a restaurant that I would ride my bike to. <laughs> and, uh, and um I started like bussing tables and they had a baker that had stopped making cakes. And I just said, um, hey, I can do that. And wow. like, you can? I'm like, yeah. Wow. And I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can make 
yikes. Grandma can walk me through this. (laughs) You know, and I started, you know, I was, I went from being a bus girl to a waitress. And then I started making the desserts and I made a carrot cake, a German chocolate (laughs) cake, a a cheesecake, right? I mean, those are my jams. This is back in the eighties, right? (laughs) So I made them every week and then I started waiting on tables and people would, you know, I said, oh, do you want dessert? And they'd say, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, I made it. And then they... So you you were honing your sales skills at a very young age. I was, I was. And something, you know, my father taught me in life, which is everything you do is sales, no matter what. Just remember that like whatever you're doing, if it's your passion or not, you know, you're gonna it's everything you do has a sales component. So I learned that early on from him. I started working at the restaurant when I was 15. Wow. And then I got my driver's license and I made enough money at that restaurant that I paid cash for my very first car. And I was so oh, proud of my, wow. oh my gosh, I don't even have a car payment. It was 13, <laughs> it was $13,000. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, just, like, I just thought I was so hot. You know? and anyway, so that restaurant experience led me to really like love the business and love cooking and love taking care of people. And I sort of just, I want to be a caterer. And I really wasn't even sure I knew what a caterer did. You know, my father got married and he had a caterer and I thought it was cool and they had beautiful platters. And I was like, oh yeah, I could do that, you know? know? And then when I, I decided to go to culinary school and the restaurant that I worked at, the owner was so kind to me actually like paid for my first semester of college and helped me get there because it was very expensive. I mean, I went to Johnson and Wales and at wow. the time, it was $15,000 a year, and we just did not have the budget or, you know, we we were not those people. <laughs> so uh, with his support and help, it was really, really nice. And I went to culinary school, and I knew instantly, I'm like, this is what I want to do. I wanna, wow. You know, I started off in Providence, Rhode Island, and then the campus opened up down in Charleston, South Carolina. And I had met really great friends. And one of my friends that I made there was from Montana and she did not like New England. And she said, if you want to go South, I'll go with you. And I was like, okay, well, coincidentally, at the same time, my mother decided to move to the South and Hmm. she, she took a map and a dart and it landed on Raleigh. Um, No way. That's amazing. True story. True story. So we moved to Raleigh. I had no idea what Raleigh was. We were like, what are we doing? And I was like, well, I'm going to transfer down to the school in Charleston. So I did a year in Charleston and then I ended up going back up to Providence. And then when I finished school, I got a job at a local catering company for Mitchell's Catering. And I remember sitting, you know, I, I went in for an interview and if anyone knew Craig Mitchell, um, he's since passed away, but he was such a character. And I mm-hmm. went in and sat in with an interview with him and he said, well, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, in your seat, I'm going to own my own business. <laughs> Look at you. He was like, oh no, you're not, you know? And Ooh. then he, he sort of helped me build my character because he would tell me how awful I was and how... <laughs> I wasn't, and and I wasn't really going to make it in life. And, you know, but yet I was like 
handling his business. I remember I worked for him for three weeks and he gave me the keys to the building and said, I'm going to California. I'll be back in three weeks. Here's your dishwasher. Now he's, he is on prison release. So every day the dishwasher would come from prison and work with me. And it was me and the dishwasher. Oh the prison. my gosh. And he was wonderful. I mean, like he became my, you know, sous chef. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what I was doing. I mean, I just sort of, you know, okay. But I knew I, I loved it and I felt very fortunate to, to do that. And a side note, I had started a chocolate truffle company where I was wholesaling chocolates all throughout the triangle. And I realized very quickly that the humidity and shipping was not where it is today. And I was like, I think I'm going to just focus more on the catering and not having a product. But truth be told, I always wanted to have my own product. I always want to have my own brand. So it's kind of funny that I am where I am right now. You know, what's interesting, Jill, though, about this, a couple different things you've said is, you know, whether it was offering to make the desserts at that first restaurant when you're 15 years old or taking the keys when your boss went, you know, and what you said is I, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I think so often people get stuck or stymied a little bit Mm -hmm. because, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or no, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, maybe I would have believed whatever this guy's name was again, you know? And so I'm, I'm just so curious, where do you think that came from this kind of, I don't know a better word, but sort of chutzpah, right. That, that really propelled you to do some of these things. Definitely my mother. She is a force and wasn't the mom that said, you know, you can't, it was, you have to, you know, you've got to move forward. I had a very interesting experience in high school where I was not a good student Mm. and I barely graduated. Mm. Um, I I struggle. I have a learning disability and math is not my friend. (laughs) I took algebra in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade when it came time for graduation. I grew up in New York state and they have what is called a regent's diploma. Mm. And it's a big deal for college. And I did not get a regent's diploma. And it Mm. was something that just sort of like always made me feel like less, (laughs) you know, so I had to find something that I was good at. And I remember in high school, my guidance counselor sitting down with me and telling me I had two options. He said, you could be a flight attendant, nothing against flight attendants in any way, shape or form, or I could go into the army. <laughs> okay. I have to say, I cannot see you in the army. <laughs> oh, no. well, let me tell you, I could not see me in the army. First of all, I mean, I'm not a camper. <laughs> you know, I grew up not in an upper class. I mean, we actually, I lived in a neighborhood we couldn't afford to live in. That was really our circumstances with divorce. and. My mom did everything to keep us in the house. Like if she had to work three jobs, she worked three jobs. We all worked. We all contributed. We all, you know, were part of making our our family move forward. So the army was a terrifying thought to me. I thought, oh my God, you know, first of all, I, I I think I would just die. (laughs) So I remember thinking, I can't do that. You know, I, I really struggled with it, but the thing that kept me going was like, I loved my after school job and I loved it so much that I got a special work permit where I had my classes structured in the morning and I would leave every day at 11 o'clock to be at the restaurant by 1130 for lunch service. So I would work lunch and I would go home, do my homework and go back and do dinner. You know, like I loved 
being in that environment. And so... So I'm just going to jump in for one sec. I'm really starting to see where your resilience comes from, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're talking about this learning disability in school mm-hmm. and algebra, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and yet you kept trying and oh, yeah. you didn't give up and talking about your mom and being a force, which is very much how I think of you. I very much think of you as you are just a force of nature. But it's so interesting to hear where some of the roots of this resilience, and I also believe that some people just come into the world with more resilience to begin with than others, and other people just really need to cultivate it. But it's just so interesting to hear how so much in your background really, really helped you cultivate resilience as well. Right. Yeah, that's definitely part of my imperfect journey. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect journey. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just being told no, and I'm like, "Mm, no, you know, and I, I've always been very determined and, you know, something my father always used to say about the three, I have an older sister who's my business partner, who is brilliant genius. I mean, Lauren is just amazing and I would not have this business without her. Who I believe she was in the army, wasn't she? She was. She was in the Navy. (laughs) She was in the Navy. (laughs) Sorry. In the Navy after she went to Kent State University and partied a little too much. (laughs) Okay. When Laura went into the Navy, everyone was like, what? Like she is the most, you know, cannot be told. Anyway, so that was interesting, but boy, did she ever learn structure and systems and she's brilliant, but she's always had natural brilliance and mm. smarts and you know and and my brother is a science you know um a biologist and he is i mean smart on a whole other level he's a phd and you know he's you know writes books about fish and passionate you know and um my sister wrote a the computer software program that we run our business on. And she does, she's just like, I don't know what I would do without her. And and we're a great balance. But something my dad always used to say is, you know, you're the one I I worry the least about because you have common sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and you're you're persistent. So that was always something I, you know, when I kind of feel like I couldn't do it, my dad always say, oh, no, 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 you got this. Like you, you know, you're okay. (laughs) Well, then how did that start to show up? So this, this tenacity, you sort of figured out that chocolate business wasn't going to work just given the heat heat and all of that. And because it melts really fast in the summer. Right, right, right. (laughs) Humidity is not a friend. Yeah. You were starting to say that you'd always wanted a brand, your own brand. And so where did you go from there when you sort of figured out the chocolate business wasn't going to work? Well, so then I I was doing the chocolates and I was doing the catering. And most chefs either are pastry or savory. And I'm really right in the middle. Oh. I love both. Mm. Like, I love both. I love to cook and I love to bake and I love to do confections. And so it was really a hard thing for me. So when I started catering, like, when I first started the business, I was the baker, you know, I did all, I was the pastry chef. I made all the cakes. I did all of that stuff. It was like, how can I do both? And catering really lent that, you know, because I could do the pastry and not every caterer has bakers and pastry people on site. They just don't, you know? So 
that was my focus. And I then would hire in really good chefs and work with the chefs like, okay, well, this is my idea. Let's like, you know, be collaborative here. And so so that's how I, you know, I kind of, I decided, well, catering will kind of lend itself to to do that. And the other thing I, I was really attracted to with catering is like making special memories for people, but bringing the gathering, bringing people together, creating a special day, having it to be custom to who they are, you know, like that part, you know, it's so personal, yeah. you know, and I loved that. I loved that piece. And also I love, you know, pretty flowers and yeah. the decor. And I love to, you know, I, I secretly, if I wasn't in catering, I wanted to be a doctor or a designer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> my, my math clearly was not ever going to let me be a doctor. But, um, you know, I like to think that I can put things together. Wow. So, and that's what it is. Like we create beautiful landscapes of food yeah. for people. Well, and I really hear how that brings together these pieces of you that I think are just so evident to people that know you, the nurturing part of you, right? The the creative part of you, the part that just so appreciates beauty and your attention to detail. I mean, one of the things that is always so amazing about working with Catering Works, and I'll just give it a plug from this perspective, I can give it a plug from a million perspectives, is that I know if Catering Works is catering either an event that I'm personally doing or an event that I'm just in charge of for an organization I'm part of. I don't have to think about it. I just have to do the fun part of picking the menu and getting the financial information. And I know everything will be great. And I tend to have some control issues. Right? And I know it's shocking. <laughs> but when I'm working with you guys, I don't feel any need to have to control. I can just let go of that. And so I just it's it's just so interesting listening to how this brings all those parts of you together. And I'm curious, you've been through a lot of different business cycles. You've uh-huh. been through, I mean, catering business is not an easy business and it's not a super predictable business. Well, let's talk about the pandemic, right. shall we? Yeah. Our whole, whole life is about gathering and now you can't gather anymore. Right. right. What has that part of your journey been like? So this is 32 years for me with Catering Works. Wow. August 1st was 32 years. Last year, I thought, well, 2020 is the worst thing that ever has happened mm-hmm. to me. But then you know what happened? 2021 came along. Mm-hmm. This is really a struggle. You know, 2020, when it first all went down, it was like, what do you mean we can't work? You know, we, in in a 10-day time period, we had seven and a half million dollars canceled. Wow. Okay. And, you know, we were like crying on the floor going, what is this? How, how, yeah. how is it happening? I mean, it was a nightmare and I would go to bed and I couldn't sleep and I was like, you know, how am I going to get through this? You know, and you know, my parents were very supportive. My mom and dad daily were like, you're going to, you know, you're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Oh yeah. And then I kind of, you know, I had an employee, she looked at me and she said, Miss Jill, are we going to make it? Mm. No, she's been with me for 16 years. Her name is Matilda. And I'm like, of course we're going to make it. Yeah. It's just a temporary setback. And the things that we did very quickly. Before COVID, we were involved with a company called Supper Meals. We helped them get off the ground. They were a home prepared meal delivery service. And at one point we were doing 300 meals a week for them. And 
it got to be just too much for us. Catering works was just feeding a thousand people a day and then having that too. It's like, okay, we got to figure out what lane we're in. So we had stopped doing supper meals, but the plus side is we still had everything. We had a bunch of inventory of containers and menus and everything. And once, I think it was like March 23rd, we said, let's launch prepared meals again. Like, let's just do this. We're all set up. So we did that very quickly. Then we started donations. So we started feeding our employees because there was a very long stretch where nobody got unemployment. Okay, we all of a sudden have no income. I mean, we were fortunate that we had a nice amount of money in the bank pre-COVID. You know, we were very healthy, but that goes fast. Yeah. I mean, you know, my payrolls are around two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, to all of a sudden, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> So my sister and I, you know, we, we met with our team instantly and we said how, you know, okay, we'll do these meals. We'll do this. I had employees come to me that volunteered to work from home and just to take a break. And we were crying. We're like, how can this even be? I mean, my sister went from having a team of like seven to like two. Mm. Okay. It was, you know, and telling some of our kitchen staff that have been with us for years, like, you can't come in. I we don't have work for you. Wow. And you know, so then we started doing the prepared meals, and all of a sudden, I'm making like pot pies every day and casseroles. <laughs> I started calling myself, I'm like, I'm the casserole queen, you know, and <laughs> you know, and and it, it was heavy. You know, I was scared. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I would wake up just shaking, and I, I couldn't sleep at night, thinking, what is that? You know, my heart was. I really had some physical responses, like I am I going to die from this? Like, this is so awful, you know? And then this is going to sound so corny and crazy, but I started listening to Tony Robbins. Yeah. And it was like, I had to do something. And it was like, you know, channeling him. And and then my dad always did all these positive things, you know, like he's a very optimistic person. And like, you know, he was sharing with me all his like Zig Ziglar stuff. And, you know, it was just like, okay, I'm going to look to other people. (laughs) And so I started this um, little daily like mantra. I would get up every day and I would like breathe and I would say, okay, I'm not going to let the virus in. I am not going to get, because on top of it now we're working and we don't know what COVID is, but every few weeks I'd be like, does anybody know anyone that's had COVID? Because at first, you know, it really wasn't here, you know, it was sort of like everything shut down, but we were kind of mad. We we're like, what, you know, nobody, 10 people have it. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we didn't understand. Yeah. And then yeah. I had some guilt with that too. I went through this whole thing, like, should we even be working? You know? Right. And I just, you know, it was like, I don't want to subject my employees. And I mean, our first employee got COVID last September. I mean, so what it was from March to September is when it hit, you know? So every day I would do this little routine. It was like, we call it a meditation or a daily practice. Okay. Like Sherry taught me and, um, <laughs> and in my daily, you know, routine of practice that you have gratitude and you know, I was always oh, been journaling what I'm thankful for and all that shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it comes to work and and comes to bear. (laughs) Yeah. So I tell myself, I will not let the virus and I'm not going to get this virus. I have to be strong. I have to be healthy. I have to be here for my, I've got to be present for my team and my family. You know, meanwhile, I've got a daughter who is 18, her senior year in high school. And, you know, she had big dreams to go to Syracuse University. That was her goal. And I had to go, not happening. Mm -hmm. On top of that, right before COVID, I was buying my dream place 
on the Finger Lakes up in New York City. Mm. And I stopped that. And that was all part of our big plan. We're, okay, Ellie, you can go to Syracuse. We'll have a place on the lake. You'll have a place you can go to. We can, you know, not that it was the most convenient place to go to college, but that was her top school. And I had to say, not happening. Yeah. Like, can't do this right now. And it was okay. You know, that's all okay. All that stuff. You know, I mean, she's where she's supposed to be, but her seeing me trying not to fall apart. It was a rough senior year for her. Yeah. I have a lot yeah. of guilt over that. I have a lot of guilt over, you know, the constant obsessing over money and we can't do this and we can't do that. I mean, I didn't have a paycheck for eight months yeah. and then I went on unemployment. You want to talk about like a very weird thing. You know? yeah. And I'm thankful for the state for allowing us to have that kind of messes with your mind a little bit, yeah. you know, definitely a little bit of a, hmm, you know, we're pushing through, you know, I have a lot of different moving parts going on. And then, you know, we started up with a prepared meals and we rebranded it to our old figs market, which we used to have a store in Cameron village. And, you know, we've done really well with it. It's still going and we're happy to have that. We also did two ghost kitchen concepts where people would go online and order through Grubhub or Uber Eats, and they didn't know it was catering works. Mm. And we had a concept called Freets and Taters and Midtown Eats. And so we were doing that. I mean, we were doing anything to make a buck, you know, and to employ people, to bring back people. Like that was our whole thing. And so all of that happens. And then... December hits and I get a phone call from my dad and he says, I think I have cancer. Oh, wow. And, okay. And then it was, I have a very curable cancer. So that happened in January. We got a confirmation. You know, that was just very, very heavy. And in, in the meantime, we're getting all these concepts going. Well, October 1st last year, Ella's popcorn was launched. Oh. Okay. And that was a product of the pandemic. And my very best friend, Susan, who has done all of our branding for my whole career, she did the Catering Works logo. She did the Figs Market. She's been involved in everything that we did. She helped us get the contract at the North Carolina Museum of Art, which we got this year. She said, Jill, it's time. It's time to do a product because we wanted, we were going to do the popcorn eight years ago. And actually, my dad was going to be a big part of it um, and working the Florida market for the sports stadiums. And so... Susan, we came up with the name and we're naming it. We named it Ella after my daughter because I started doing popcorns at Catering Works when she was about eight years old. I was making all these like themed popcorns for her birthday party. Oh, cute. What is this? You know, I make cute little bags. Like we had a wildlife safari party and I did zebra pop, you know, it was basically (laughs) the cookies and cream. And then, you know, every year we did something different. And parents of Congo, what is that? That was crack. And, that was so- <laughs> wow. and let me just, and- I, I'm just going to jump in and say that popcorn is crack. It's crack. Right. Yeah. It can't come in my house anymore because <laughs> I can't stop eating it. Yeah. yeah. So it's rough stuff. It really is. And um, <laughs> so we started doing that and we developed the logo and the branding and we launched it October 1st of last year. My first like eight weeks of sales, I did $54,000 in popcorn sales. Oh my God. Crazy. Right. And that was all, you know what? It was all of Catering Works clients supporting us doing corporate gifting. 
And we have these beautiful trio boxes and people loved it. And then people kept ordering and ordering. And then one thing led to another. And so we had somebody local here who had the, we sell at La Farm Bakery. She bought the popcorn. She asked us if we could rebrand it under a different name. One of our top sellers is called Campfire Pop. And it's basically like your s'mores. So we rebranded it for her. She was giving it out as Galentine's gifts and we called it Smorgasm. I love it. (laughs) We shipped it to 150 celebrities. Wow. Influencers that she knows. And this woman is a godsend to us because that's been reoccurring business for us as well. Fantastic. And we got involved with a social media person out in Los Angeles and all these connections and things happened and clicked. And I got a phone call. We'd like Ella to be on Ryan's Mystery Playdate as a playdate guest. It's the number one Nick Jr. show. Hmm. On Nickelodeon, right? Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. So we're like, oh my gosh, we got to (laughs) go. So Ella was a really good sport about it. And so all these things, it's just like been really exciting and stuff to look forward to. And then the sad dark side is my father got very ill. His cancer metastasized. He died on July 23rd. Mm. And my best friend, who is my branding partner, was diagnosed April 1st with anaplastic thyroid cancer. And she died on August 19th. Wow. So it's been a heavy time. So when I say like the journey has been, (laughs) you know, like every day I get up, there are good things that are happening. And then there's like this, you know, there's no preparing for the loss of a parent. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then to lose your parent and your best friend. Yeah. Within you know, months. I also, I also lost a very, very close friend of mine in February. Um, and she's the person that introduced me to my daughter's father. Mm-hmm. And so we would say, if we didn't have a Robin Weinstein, we wouldn't have an Ella. <laughs> right. you know? So, you know, there's a special people in your life. Yeah. So. This year, my hashtag is, excuse my language, but fuck cancer. Yeah, right. I never knew like how hard it would be. Yeah. And I've been through a lot of loss. I've had a lot of loss in my life and disappointment. And, but this is like, eh, it's indescribable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And my daughter went off the, my Susan died on August 19th and Ella went to college on August 20th. Oh, so wow, Jill. I'm an empty nester. I'm really alone for the first time in my life. Yeah. And it's a weird thing. I'm trying to just navigate like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, dogs. I love my dogs. You know, <laughs> dogs are great. <laughs> you know, but it's just a weird, it's it's not where I thought, you know, like there's so many great things in my life. And I and I'm I'm very appreciative that after 32 years of blood, sweat, and tears in a very hard industry, I mean, catering is one of the most unforgiving businesses you could be in. Yeah. You know, you scroll somebody's wedding, you know, you don't do the right thing and you know you're feeding groups of people and some people don't, you know, it's preferences. I mean, there's a lot at stake. But this past year, I would say it's kind of like it's kind of taken all the drama of what that is. And I'm thinking more about like uh oh, really in the meaning of life yeah. now and right. and right. God, did I screw up as a parent? Yeah. <laughs> daughter's at college now and did I do the right thing you know did I mess her up did I you know with all of the stress of this business yeah you know at the end of the day 
I realize we're not here that long. That's right. You know, and go at any time. So, like, am I making the most out of what this is? Jerry knows for years, you know, I've like, I need to have more time. I'm like obsessed with this business. I mean, there have been time periods where I did not have my first day off from COVID from March 6th of 2020. I went to see my dad on May 3rd. Wow. Wow. That was the first time I took off. Yeah. And then in how it all coincided, I missed my daughter's prom. Mm. And, you know, so there was these things that was like, oh, you know, I'm high and low. But then we went to Nickelodeon and I didn't want to not be there for my dad. My dad's like, you go to Nickelodeon, right. you, know, you go to California, you have a good time and you do this, you know. So my heart has been kind of swaying all over the place. Of what am I, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. You know, I mean, what I'm noticing is just going back to where Sherry started the conversation about resilience and you know, the pandemic hits, you lose seven and a half million dollars in a 10 day period. And Mm. yet, you know, you sort of emerge and you create new businesses and new opportunities. I never even heard the term ghost kitchen. Is that what you said? I'd never heard that term before. And so it's so amazing to me, your, again, to use Sherry's word, this resilience of here's where we are. We want to keep our people employed. We want to keep them working. Uh, and so we're going to try some different things and the birth of the the popcorn business, which sounds amazing. I haven't gotten to try it yet, but Jill says she's going to send me some, and, <laughs> but I'm just so inspired by that. You're just pointing out something so beautiful about just the way life is, right? So you have this mm-hmm. high, 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 your daughter's on Nickelodeon, the popcorn part of your business is doing it so well. And at the same time, your dad is dying and your one of your best friends is also dying. And I just think that this is sort of how life is. I mean, it seems like you have a lot of extremes, but these highs and lows. And I really appreciate what you said about having some of these practices that you really embraced during the pandemic. And so what I'm wondering is, is how have those practices really helped you stay kind of grounded and focused on, on the things that are important to you? I think our mind is so powerful and we can train it to be sad and we can train it to be happy and we can train it to just kind of sit with what is for me right now. I am trying to really honor my sadness. You know, I can't sweep it under a rug. I can't pretend that I don't miss my dad every day or my friend or my daughter, (laughs) as I call And, you know, and I have a stepdaughter I'm raising too, who moved out a year ago and she has not been dealt the easiest cards in life either. And so I try to keep all that in check too. And so I just have to realize, you know, so cliche, but I can only control my response to things right now. And I can choose to either be an asshole or be kind, (laughs) you know, and I'm not, I don't like to be a jerk about stuff. I don't like the stressed out version of who I am. I have been trying to really work on more self-care and I bought a Peloton and I I got my foot stuck in it. I think I actually, I think I broke a bone in my foot trying to get the shoe off and I definitely get the shoe off. So anyway, um, I should not be laughing, but you have one. I would do some, no, but I would do something like that. fun when you get going on it and it's a cool thing, but I literally cannot get my right shoe off of it. So it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm my own comedy act with that. So, <laughs> so I am trying to just like honor my feelings and control what I can and realize that the situation that we're in right now is very temporary. 
Yeah. I think it's life-changing. I think we will do business differently forever going forward. Will we get back to be the $10 million a year company? I don't know. Maybe popcorn will. You know, I love taking care of people. I love being someone that provides something that gives joy, whether it's the catering or the the goodies. I mean, who doesn't love sweet treats? <laughs> I mean, we have sweet and savory for Ella's popcorn. And, you know, all of that is like, I think it's good stuff. And I think I'm lucky to be where I am. I've had people tell me that they think I'm the most unlucky person they've ever met. And I take offense to that. I'm like, no, I'm getting through this. You know, I'm not complaining. I'm sorry. You couldn't handle my life, but I'm handling it. Not perfectly, but, you know, I'm handling it the best I can. And I had a friend, perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. I had a friend tell me I had a horseshoe on one side and a lightning rod on the other. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. What you've just described in this period of the pandemic is just such a, I'm going to use the word extreme, but not in a bad way. It's such an extreme example of the twists and turns in life. And you have had twists and turns on such extreme ends of the spectrum in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And it's so inspiring to hear you talk about being willing to sit with your sadness and make space for your sadness and be with what is, but to also celebrate some of these really great things that have happened and to also know that you are doing the best you can do and your best is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It makes me think about you with your grandma, like cooking up wonderful treats in the kitchen. And if you could go back in time and whisper into little Jill's ear, like whisper some words of wisdom, what would you say to her? I would say you don't have to be everything to everyone. Mm. And what you're doing is enough. I think that that is something I'm trying to tell myself now. (laughs) It's enough, you know, and and, and focus on one thing. You know, you can only do one thing at a time. That's what I think I would say. (laughs) Well, I so, so appreciate it getting to hear a little bit more about you and your business and just the amazing journey that you've been on from the high highs and the low lows and, and who even knows what's around the corner, especially with this exciting new popcorn business. It's so fun. And so I just want to say, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been Mm. just a treasure to have you here. Oh, well, thank you so much. This was really fun and I'm honored to been considered. So thank you. For anybody whose mouth is watering at the idea of that delicious popcorn, you too can have it. The website is Ella's, E-L-L-A-S, popcorn.com. I believe you will be able to order it in time for the holidays or just for your own enjoyment. (laughs) And that wraps up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you shared our podcast with a friend, gave us a rating on iTunes, or posted to your own social media. And if you haven't yet had a chance to check out our new website, take a peek at flowingeastandwest.com. Please join us next time for Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life. Thank you.